Anxiety shouldn't be your old or new norm. Get the powerful, safe audio system for anxiety over at quietbegins.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, I've got an interesting topic today. I say it's interesting to me. It's interesting. It may not be interesting to you, but if you are dealing with any type of intimidating person a bully, anyone that you feel has dominance over you or they act superior and they're really just an equal. We're all equals. I hope you know this. We're all equals, except some people are in a position of power where they can have power over you. Or let me rephrase that. They can display power over you. They can behave as if they have power over you. And sometimes we believe that's true. And some people might be saying, well, sometimes it is true. I guess so. Sometimes you need someone in your life that has power over you if you're a child and you don't know enough, or if you're an adult and you don't know enough and you need someone that has a level of control or at least a way to educate you so that you don't do something incorrectly or dangerous or wrong, but I'm talking about the people that are supposedly supposed to be equal to you, like one human to another. I understand that there are positions that outrank other positions. You can be in the military, you can be at a job, you can be, I don't know, a daycare, you can be anywhere you want, and you will have ranks. But there's also a level of kindness and caring and compassion and respect that I believe should come along with any rank. In fact, as you rise up in the ranks, I believe your emotional intelligence and emotional awareness should rise in the ranks as well. A good leader, in my opinion, has compassion. A good leader, in my opinion, has empathy. That doesn't mean that they are softies. It just means they have the best interest of all in mind. So when they make decisions, the best interest of all is in mind. Now, leadership is a funny thing because sometimes you have to make a decision that saves the ship and not the people on the ship because the ship has to stay afloat. Without a ship, there will be no people on the ship. So... That's a metaphor I hope you understand because some leaders have to make decisions that not everyone will agree with. 
Just like some parents will have to make decisions that not everyone agrees with, some bosses will have to make decisions, on and on and on. And no, I'm not turning this into a political conversation because <laughs> that's the first thing I'm thinking of when I start talking about this. Oh, it's about this person and now we're going to talk about... No, it has nothing to do with that. It might have something to do with that, but I'm not going to relate it to that at all. What I want to talk about are the people in your life, the people that you have direct contact with, that you have to deal with. And uh, this is inspired actually from a post I saw on Facebook in the TOB Empowerment Group, which you're welcome to join if you want. It's the Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group in Facebook. And uh, it's a person who has been working with somebody for a number of, I think, years. And uh, this person has been intimidating and a bully and simply not nice. So the person who wrote the post said, you know, I've tried being kind, I've tried different things, I've tried being overly nice, and that just seems to either exacerbate it or make it no better, or doesn't make it better at all. She doesn't know what to do, so she asked the group, and the group had some really brilliant responses, really amazing and wonderful responses, and I was thinking maybe I should, you know, add my two cents here too, and I decided I'm going to make an episode on Uh, this behavior where you have to deal with somebody who is intimidating or just not nice. What can you do when you are dealing with somebody and you have no idea how to make them nicer or show them that there's no reason to be unkind or disrespectful? There are steps or suggestions that I have that perhaps will help you. I've dealt with quite a few people, just like every one of us have dealt with quite a few people in our lives that haven't been nice. And there's many approaches. You can be direct, you can be passive, you can be manipulative, you can be kind, you can be unkind. There's all kinds of steps that you can take yourself that will either make the situation worse or will make your environment worse. You know, you make the person meaner or the environment becomes more toxic um, or you could make it better. I'm all about making things better. I don't know about you, but I'm sure you're the same way as me when it comes to wanting to be in a nicer, less toxic environment, maybe an environment with um, people that actually care, that might show um, a modicum of compassion. And if they do, it makes your life more pleasant. And when I think about this, I think of a work situation. There's a number of people that have written to me and says, so-and-so at work is so hard to deal with. And they're talking about a coworker, or they're talking about a boss, or they're talking about somebody under them or over them that has been there longer or maybe not long at all. There's all kinds of situations that come up, but that's what the first place I think of when we have somebody that is just being a jerk, the jerk at work. Uh, and being intimidating and being bullying. There is a metaphor that I, I'm going to discuss in this in the next segment that may help you not only relate to them, but even show compassion for them and toward them that may change your relationship with them completely. This won't work with everyone, and this is one of many suggestions that I'll give you when we come back, but I think the metaphor has been helpful for me going through life, and I know I'm holding back here. I'm going to tell you in the next segment, but I'm holding back on this metaphor because I I need to put it in context to make sure it uh, lands right. But 
this metaphor has helped me, it's a visual that I use, has helped me show more compassion, relate to them, and actually help them be nicer toward me. I think that's a nice goal. It doesn't always work, and I'm not saying that, hey, you need to change someone else, you need to control them. It has nothing to do with that. It's just a matter of seeing things differently, which helps you show up differently, which could help them see you differently and change your environment to less toxic or not toxic at all. Won't work for everyone, but it might work for some, and it might be helpful to you. So when we come back, I'm going to discuss. I have about seven or eight steps written down, and I might think of more as I go. But I'm going to give you some interesting suggestions, maybe even some that you've never heard of. So it might be something worth sticking around for. We'll be right back right after this. Probably one of the many helpful things about therapy is that you get to talk to someone that you don't really have a relationship with. You can talk to your best friend, you can ask for their advice, but what if your best friend is the person you need to vent about? <laughs> you can talk to your partner and see if they have any good suggestions for what you're going through, but what if your struggle is with them? This is where therapy steps in, and one of the therapy services that I love to endorse on this show is called BetterHelp. Two words, BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. They are a professional counseling service that you can use online through their messaging system on the phone or on video chat. And uh, when you sign up, what they do is they assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You get to connect in a safe and private online environment. And it's just so convenient. It's definitely different than conventional therapy where you are face-to-face, in-person with someone. And so it takes out that element of therapy. And I've heard from a lot of people that say they love that type of therapy and specifically BetterHelp. I've heard from quite a few people that love BetterHelp. And being allowed to be in their car, in their office, in their bedroom, or away from other people, in their own safe private space themselves to talk on the phone, to talk on video, or just through their chat system or their email system has been a great way for them to express themselves in the safest environment possible. You know, this is an online world now, and we have so many ways to communicate now. Why not use a therapeutic service like this and uh, save yourself a lot of time and energy from having to get up and go to an office. I mean, I have nothing against that either, but it's just the convenience that you can get with BetterHelp that really makes them stand out. And of course, their professional services. They have many licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression and stress, anxiety and family conflicts and LGBT matters, grief and self-esteem issues. Any problem you have, they can deal with and help you figure out how to get through it and work with your challenges. That's what they're there for. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. When you go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain, you'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. Welcome back. Like I said, we're going to talk about intimidating people or bullies. 
could be the bully at work or the bully in your family. Not everything I talk about in this segment is going to apply to both situations, but you may be able to adapt them or innovate on any of these to suit what you're going through. I'd like to thank the person in the Facebook group who inspired today's episode. Thank you for posting this. I hope you hear it. I will let you know it's here and maybe it'll help you. Again, these are going to be the steps or suggestions that I have to offer when you're dealing with somebody that is um, very hard to deal with. They're difficult, they're intimidating, they express power over you, and this isn't necessarily, again, about rank, seniority, you know, in a job or something like that. It's just about treating another human being with kindness and caring and respect and maybe even compassion. I mean, at minimum, respect. At minimum, with some dignity. That's what I always shoot for. You know, you don't have to treat me with compassion. You don't have to be empathetic. But don't disrespect me. I'm not talking to you. I'm saying when somebody does that to me. I want you to develop that attitude. You don't necessarily have to have an attitude, but you want to develop such a caring about yourself, about who you are, about how you want to be treated, that you walk around saying, treat me with respect you know, in your own mind. You treat me with respect. You might have to say that out loud to somebody, but you start making this your new inner dialogue if it wasn't before. I deserve to be treated with respect. That's all I ask for. Just treat me with respect. You don't have to like me. You don't have to care that my dog died. You don't have to be empathetic. You don't have to be compassionate. Just treat me with respect and be kind sometimes, or at least have good manners. You know, that may not be your inner dialogue, but it's mine. You don't have to like me. You don't have to love me. Just treat me with respect. Just be a human being toward me. Just be kind enough so that you're tolerable and not annoying. <laughs> I'm embellishing on my inner dialogue now. Um, and I'm not talking about people that do love you or are, quote, supposed to love you. I'm not talking about, like, romantic partners and things like that, although it could be. You know, you could be in a situation where your romantic partner is intimidating and a bully. And these may work, too. I haven't really thought about it in that context. I talk about that in my other podcast, Love and Abuse. If you're interested in that, emotionally abusive relationships, difficult relationships, go to loveandabuse.com. What I'm talking about are the people in our lives that we have to deal with and we may have no choice. There's a boss, there's a coworker, there's a person that we see every day or we live with or a family member. These can be helpful. I told you about a metaphor that I'm going to, going to share with you, and that is suggestion number four. So we'll get to number four shortly. Let's start with number one. Number one, when you're dealing with somebody who's intimidating or a bully, and you haven't addressed it or you haven't found a good way to address it where their behavior changes, number one is you could be direct. You could say, hey, when you do or say that, it feels disrespectful. That's it. When you do that, it feels disrespectful. Or when you say that, or when you go over my head, it feels disrespectful. Now, I like to leave it there. I don't go on and on and say, you know, it feels disrespectful, and I want you to do this, and I can't believe you do that. I don't go into all of that. I just lay out a very simple fact in my mind that when you do or say that, it feels disrespectful. They may respond, well, I don't care. (laughs) They may say that. I I laugh, even though it's not funny, because that could happen. Uh, But it's just surprising to me that anyone would say that, but it happens. 
Uh, so yeah, they could say that. And another suggestion may work down the list here. But what you're doing is you're letting them know. You, you are empowering them with information that will be helpful to both of you. It's helpful to them because if they didn't know, which they probably do, but if they didn't know they were being disrespectful or hurtful in some way, you're letting them know that their behavior or what they say is disrespectful. So it empowers them to make another choice. You're not telling them to change. You're just empowering them to make the choice to change if they want to. Self-empowering behavior usually sticks. When you tell somebody to do something differently and they don't want to do it and they just conform anyway, that often doesn't stick and often builds uh, resentment or repressed anger or upset in some way. So I try to avoid things like that, but you may actually tell them how you want to be treated for sure. And I may actually have this on the list, I forget. But I do think that when you lay out a simple fact, when you do or say that, it feels disrespectful. It empowers them. It, it gives them the choice. So you're giving them a very empowering start and choice on how to treat you. They may not change a thing. They may know they're doing it. And we'll just have to realize, okay, well, they know they're doing it. They know it hurts me or disrespects me. So now I know where they are in their mind. They don't care. They may not care. And that may be the thing. They may say, well, I'm your superior and I'm sorry you feel that way, but that's too bad. You know, if it's a job situation. If they say that, what are you going to do? Okay, let's talk about that. Let's go to number two. <laughs> number two is you could ask them to treat you differently. So this in respect with number one, I tell you to stop. But you could ask them to treat you differently. So this is on my list. I forgot I wrote this. You could say something like, would you mind not being so forceful or aggressive next time? I know that sounds a little confrontational. But that's all you say. Would you mind not being so, you know, fill in the blank. I, I put forceful or aggressive. What are they being? Are they being rude? Would you mind not being so rude next time? That could be taken a little bit harshly by them. Yeah, but they've been rude and it's nice for you to let them know that they've been rude. However, it could be confrontational. Not a lot of people want to do this part. But this could be one of the suggestions in your bag of techniques just in case these others don't work. So the first one is, yeah, you could be direct, but just say that simple fact. Hey, when you do or say that, it feels disrespectful. The next one is, ask them to treat you differently. Would you mind not doing that next time? I, you know, I, I would appreciate that. Would you mind? Again, you are empowering them with choice. They may say no or yes, or they may say something completely different. They may not agree that they're mistreating you at all. They may call you a wimp. They may think that you just can't handle it. And if you can't handle it, why are you here? They may be more intimidating. Things like that may certainly be intimidating to hear uh, or just unkind. It might be unkind depending on where you are, depending on the context. I'm not talking about every single situation on earth, but in a lot of situations where, you know, we're supposed to be human toward each other. What is wrong with a question like, would you mind not doing that again? And I really like the phrasing, personally, I like the phrasing of would you mind? Because would you mind isn't a command. It's more of them having to reflect on their own values and choosing to go with their values or against their values. So 
would you mind gives them the option of checking in with their morality. I mean, this is how I see it. If somebody said, hey, would you mind uh, picking up some milk at the store? That isn't a command. It's not a directive. It is a very passive and permissive question that gives me the option to choose. So this, again, is another empowering thing you can do with somebody who is intimidating or dominating and there's no need for them to be this way. Let's go on to number three. Number three is you could be extra kind to them and see if they respond nicer. This is a kill them with kindness sort of thing, but it doesn't often work. (laughs) So I gave that suggestion knowing it may not work. In fact, the person in the Facebook group says, you know, I've been kinder to them. I've been trying to be super kind to them and it doesn't change them at all. It has no effect on them whatsoever. They're still rude and disrespectful. So I say this knowing that it may not work, but again, this is one of the suggestions in your many bag of techniques that you can pull out and just try. You know, I look at these things as experiments. You need to experiment and find out what works for who. And I know, I'm going to address this right now, I know there are people listening right now that will probably say, why don't you just tell them to back off and shut up? (laughs) I know that there are people out there right now, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that some people aren't ready to take such a giant leap from where they are to the point where they feel so confident inside themselves that they can look at someone and say, you need to back off and shut up. That would feel good to me, actually. (laughs) I won't always do that in every situation, but it would certainly not surprise some of the people I know if I said that. So the people I know would say, oh, you you said that to them? What did they say? Instead of saying, oh my God, you said that to them? I can't believe you said that to them. They would just believe that it happened. But I took many, many steps in my personal improvement, in my self-worth, in my self-esteem, in my confidence building, and healing my emotional wounds and healing my old baggage to get to the point where every little or big step that I took led to the point where I could actually say that to someone even though I might have still felt fear when saying it, but I can actually say that to someone. So that is the big leap right to a direct path of full honoring of yourself. You could certainly do that. That's not on my list today, but I'm throwing that in there because I know there are people out there that say, well, no one's going to mess with me, so they need to back off and shut the heck up. (laughs) So I'm going to throw that in there. That is your option, your choice. Do any and all of these knowing that there could be some risk with some of them. You know, if you're around a violent person or somebody that can be physically aggressive or violent, I'm not telling you to do any of these. I don't want you to do things that might cause a big problem for you. I don't want you to get into physical danger. I just want you to use these in most situations that won't lead to physical danger. I I shouldn't have to say that. I think you understand that, but I I need to say that just as a uh, disclaimer. Don't want you to get in trouble here, but let me come back to what I was just saying. You have uh, number three, which is you could be extra kind to them and see if they respond nicer. And one of the ways to be extra kind is a little over the top. And I don't mean saying they have wonderful hair or complimenting their work, although you could try that as sort of the uh, breaking the ice, being kind. But you could experiment in a way where you bring a cake in for their birthday. 
and you gather the team another uh, work situation you gather the team and you all sing happy birthday and everyone will know that you brought the cake in and everyone will talk about you being so kind to that person oh i can't believe so and so brought that in for you she's so nice and wow so that could backfire but it could also work to your advantage and i know some of these are going to sound a little manipulative. Some of them sound like you are influencing people in possibly an unethical way. So again, I'm giving you these to use at your own discretion and choose to use if you feel okay using them. I have no problem using any of these. <laughs> that doesn't mean you should do what I do. I'm just saying that when there is an environment that's toxic and I cannot for the life of me reason with someone and make them just a little bit easier to work with, I might become a little manipulative. I, I'll admit it. I might become a little manipulative. For example, bringing a cake in even though I don't really want to. Telling everyone to sing happy birthday even though I really don't care about this person and I wish they would quit or I wish they would leave my life. Or maybe if it's not their birthday, maybe it's the anniversary of something they're celebrating. Or whatever. It's going to be a little over the top. I bake them cookies. I buy them a spa day. I don't know what it is. But for me, it's almost a last ditch effort. Like if you're not kind after this, then there's something wrong with you. I, I, you know, I've tried. I've tried to be nice. So what happens is somebody, I'll use the cake example, gets the cake or whatever you brought. And if they choose to continue being not nice to you or disrespectful, then it might become a conflict inside of them. Like, great, now they brought me a cake and now I can't be that mean person that I have always been with them. I can't have power over them. I can't be the bully because they brought me a cake and that was a nice thing to do, but I'm so upset with them and I, I don't know what to do now. It'll be a conflict that they have to struggle with. And at that point, they may have a talk with you or they may just stop doing the bad behavior. These are just suggestions. They may or may not work. But I want to give you all the tools I can so you have plenty to choose from. All right, now here's the metaphor. Number four, when you are dealing with somebody like this, is to treat them like a wounded animal caught in a barbed wire fence. Why would you do that? Well, a wounded animal needs help, but they don't think they want your help, and they don't want to appear vulnerable or weak in front of you. I mean, have you ever seen one of those videos where a deer or a horse or a sheep or a lamb, an animal is caught in a fence and they can't get out? I even saw one with a, um, a mountain lion, I think. He couldn't get out of the fence. And because they're stuck, they feel so vulnerable. They feel scared. They are aggressive because they think that if you come near them, you're there to attack them. You know, this is my thinking, I'm thinking this is what they're thinking, they just feel so unsafe because they are stuck. They can't do anything about it. They have no way to protect themselves. So anyone coming near them, especially a human, could make them more aggressive, could make them so frightened that they will attack you if you try to help them. This is how I see some intimidating people and bullies, is that they are a wounded animal caught in a barbed wire fence. How does that help? I did say it does develop compassion. It helps you feel a little bit compassion for them, even if they're the biggest jerk in the world. Because if you see them 
as this wounded animal stuck in a barbed wire fence, then you might get an idea of where their attitude comes from. Their attitude isn't coming from you. They're not getting that from you unless you really are a big jerk. But I'm going to assume that if you're listening to a show like this, you want to improve yourself. You don't want to show up in the world as a jerk. So you see this person that's wounded in this barbed wire fence. You know they're hurting, and they also feel very unsafe around people. This doesn't mean you kill them with kindness. That was a separate suggestion. This means one thing that uh, I want you to focus on. What does a wounded animal in a barbed wire fence need? There's many answers, but the answer that I come up with is help. They need help. When I see a wounded animal in a barbed wire fence, I want to help. With a person that you see like this, what I recommend, my suggestion number four, is figure out what they need help with and help them. I mean, a good example is, well, actually, this probably isn't the best example, but I used to work for two supervisors, and they were so busy all the time. They barely had time to talk to me. They were just so stressed out, busy, always doing something, and getting their time to talk with them was nearly impossible because they were just so busy all the time. So what I did was watch and listen closely to what they did. You know, when I was in their proximity, I would watch and listen to what they were doing, and figure out where their pain points were. And both of them always needed information. That's what I noticed about them. Both of them always needed information. I was working on a job in IT. I used to work in IT a long time ago, and I was putting these computers in a building, and these two supervisors, managers, they always needed to know the status of different computers and rooms and things like that. So after a few weeks, I decided that I was going to make a spreadsheet that kept them up to date on the status of everything that I was working on. And, uh, you know, because I was one of, I think, three people doing the project. And I, I made some special tweaks to the spreadsheet so that it could be updated easily. And when I was finished and I handed it to them, you should have seen their faces. Their eyes got wide. They were in shock because all the information they needed was right there on one spreadsheet. And it was easy to access, easy to figure out, and it would be constantly updated by the team because that's what ended up up happening is that it was shared with the whole team. And from that point on, their lives got easier, at least in that respect. Both of them were so much easier to work with and deal with because the stress level went down. That is what I mean by helping someone. What is their pain point? What can you do to make their life easier, their job easier, something that they struggle with? It's like when I see my girlfriend trying to create the perfect title to a blog article or the perfect name for a podcast or something like that. I'm pretty good at coming up with titles and names and things like that, and she struggles. So I would step in every now and then when she's working on something and ask her, do you need help with this? And I could tell she was so frustrated and and just trying to figure out what to write. And we would come up with some ideas and I would pop out a few. And she said, oh, that's it. That's it. Thank you so much. And her stress level decreased. She wasn't so weighed down with this problem or challenge. Her demeanor changed and uh, she became nicer. (laughs) Not that she wasn't nice before, but this is what can happen. 
when you find someone's pain point, they can become a different person. So uh, this could help. This is one of my favorite suggestions. Uh, treat them like a wounded animal caught in a barbed wire fence. The wounded animal needs help. The wounded animal needs someone to cut the barbed wire, even at risk that they could get bit. Uh, the wounded animal needs to be free of this. So a wounded animal has very specific issues that they need help with. Just like an intimidating person or a bully, they probably need help in some area. Not all of them. Not all of them. Some are just mean people. But if you found a pain point that you could help solve, resolve, or decrease their pain in some way, they may be eternally grateful. I mean, some people carry around burdens in their life, and you just happen to be a target for their frustrations, even though you really aren't their frustration. So that's number four. I really like to think of people like that when they are almost impossible, just to find out if treating them as that wounded animal who needs help, and if I give them help, they suddenly feel more free and less stress and less suffering, that maybe they'll start acting differently around me. So that's number four. We've got three more. Number five is ask the question, what's the problem? Ever since XYZ, you've been rude and angry at me. So this is the more direct approach. Let's just get everything on the table right now so that we can both get it out of our system. This is sort of confrontational. It is very direct. But what it's doing is it's forcing them to express something that they haven't been expressing. When you ask the question, what's the problem? You are directing them to a deeper issue inside of them that is designed to cause them to be a tad bit vulnerable to share this deeper issue because it could lead to them being more angry or you being angry. I mean, they may be trying to avoid confrontation too because they're being passive aggressive or they're being active aggressive. They're just acting in a way that is not respectful or rude or whatever it is what you're doing by asking what is the problem here or what is the real problem here ever since this happened or ever since I joined this group or ever since you moved in you've been rude and angry let's just get it all out on the table so what you're doing is saying let's cooperate on this let's figure this out together maybe you do hate me you maybe want to say something like that maybe you hate me for some reason I don't know why but if that's the case let's talk about that because we're just tiptoeing around what's real here. I'm not saying you have to say all of this, but I really like the question, what's the problem? I think I asked my girlfriend this once. What is the problem? In fact, I did. <laughs> what is the problem? Every time I come home, you don't even look at me. What is it? Just tell me. Just be honest. That is a, a very direct route that will help somebody get to a deeper place inside them and finally express it. Because what you're doing is opening the door. You're giving them permission to finally say what they want to say. And they've been avoiding it. They may not walk through that door, but you're giving them the option. You are opening the door. What is the problem? That's number five. Number six, with intimidating people, with bullies, something I said a little earlier, some people just don't like you. I'm serious. This is probably one of the harder ones to accept. Some people just don't like you. Some people just have an aversion to you. And there could be no reason at all. Maybe your deodorant smells like their uncle or aunt that they hate. Maybe you look or sound like someone that bothers them. Maybe your kindness reminds them of how people in their past were at first kind and then they were mean. 
we make associations in our brain that prejudge other people before they even open their mouth. Oh, that guy reminds me of my uncle. I don't like him at all. That woman reminds me of my ex-wife. She was such a you-know-what. I don't want to deal with her. And these are just made-up things about this new person that we know aren't really the old person, but those associations sort of last in our mind. And sometimes they're unconscious. This happens, right? This happens with you. It happens with me. You just don't like someone. You don't like their personality. You don't like the way they talk. You don't like the way they look. Whatever it is. I mean, there's some judgmentalness in there, but there are times when we just don't like someone. So that could be you. This is why it's important to have the attitude of, hey, you may not like me, you may hate me, but don't disrespect me. This is what I'm talking about. Some people just don't like you, and this is something that you have to accept because there are, what, eight plus billion people on the planet, and if you expect everyone to like you, you're living in a dream world. (laughs) You're living in a fantasy that is just not reality, and I know that there are people out there that want to be liked by everyone that used to be me, Uh, Actually, it is still me. I want to be liked by everyone, but I know I won't be, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay that not everyone likes me because I'm not supposed to be liked by everyone, just like you're not supposed to be liked by everyone. It's just not the way the world works. Everyone is different. Everyone has different personalities. Everyone has different upbringings. Everyone has a different idea of who is likable and who's not, and a lot of it is passed down from their parents and from generations and There's nothing you can do about it. So be okay not being liked. You may just not be liked. That doesn't make the situation easier, but that's why I talk about these other suggestions. But just know that some people just won't like you. And when they don't, there may be nothing you can do. You can bring the cake in. You can treat them like the wounded animal. You can do all that stuff, but they still don't like you. And as long as they don't disrespect you, maybe you can get along. But... If they're being disrespectful and they're being rude, then maybe there's no way to make the relationship or situation any better. Maybe it will just always be toxic and there's just no way you can get through to them. I knew somebody like this, a woman in my past, uh, wasn't a woman I was dating, it was a friend of mine, and she never liked me. I, I don't know why. She never liked me. And the only thing I could think of is she saw something in me that I hadn't seen yet. I'm not saying that's you. I'm saying that there are some people that don't like you for no reason at all, but I didn't know myself back then and how toxic I was to certain people, and maybe she saw that in me, and I didn't see it. So that was a personal growth lesson for me. And maybe if she met me now, she still wouldn't like me. Maybe it's just me. Don't know, but I want you to be okay with people not liking you because you're not going to satisfy everyone, and in fact, you'll waste a lot of time trying to get people to like you. So all those uh, people pleasers out there, sorry, but you can't please everyone. And it's helpful and liberating to know that you can't, so you won't try so hard. All right, we are on the last one. Let's get to number seven. Number seven is asking the question, what do you really want from me? You're clearly agitated almost every time we talk, so I must not be giving you what you're looking for. Help me understand what you want, and I'll do my best. This is sort of like asking the question, what's the problem? But it's a little bit more passive. So they're rude and they're aggressive. And then you ask, what do you really want from me? And you follow it up with, you're almost always agitated every time we talk. So I don't think I'm meeting your expectations or something. 
This is one of those, let's lay it out on the table and we'll sort it all out. Help me understand what you want and I'll do my best. What this does is it puts them on the spot. You're asking them to describe their upset to you, something they probably don't want to do because it might make them, once again, feel vulnerable. And there is a theme or a pattern in here. When they feel vulnerable, they don't want to be more direct. They want to be less direct because being vulnerable is accessing some deep-rooted, deep-seated, perhaps emotional wounds inside of them. And if they were to convey those wounds in a way that you detected that as a vulnerability, they would feel unsafe around you. But they already feel unsafe around you, but they're protecting those wounds. They're putting their emotional armor over those wounds, and they're saying things and doing things in a way that are offensive or hurtful or disrespectful or rude to you. And when they're being rude and disrespectful, they're really being self-protective. They want to protect that vulnerableness in them. They don't want you to come close to them when they're stuck in the barbed wire fence. They want you to stay away from them. And they use their rudeness and intimidation to cause you to stay away from them. They, they cause you to be repelled by them. Because if you get too close, you're going to see their vulnerability. You're going to spot it. You're going to notice it. And they don't trust you. They do not trust you enough to allow you in. And this is what I see with most, I don't know, probably over 90% of the intimidating people, the bullies out there, the dominant ones that feel like controlling you and manipulating you or just making you feel bad. They don't want you to see that very sensitive, vulnerable part inside of them. Because if you do, they will feel like they'll be attacked. And that could mean somebody did that when they were younger. That could mean when they were vulnerable that somebody attacked them. And this is why number four comes into play often, which is treating them like a wounded animal stuck in a barbed wire fence. And when you do that, a compassion develops in you and you may be able to find a way to help them so that they can start to trust you and feel safe around you. Like the person in the Facebook group who inspired this post, she said, I've been so nice. I've been trying to kill her with kindness even, and she still won't change. And this is where we go back to the often quoted, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is a sign of insanity. When you have tried being kinder and you still get the same response or worse, that is not working and that will not work because she may see through it. She may see it as a ruse. She may see it as a um, deception. Maybe people were kind to her in her past and it was very deceptive because when uh, she let her guard down and was vulnerable around them, she got attacked in some way. It could be that or it could be uh, something my girlfriend had to go through, which is when we met, she was, um, I don't know, how can I say this, aggressive. <laughs> she was a very bold and direct in her comments toward me and about me and it was a little bit intimidating to me because I didn't expect her to be so um, self-protective I think that's a great way to put it I didn't expect her to be so self-protective or at least that was my assumption back then she was being very self-protective and for us it turned out that when people were a little too nice and a little bit of a pushover around her, she saw them, and, and I'm putting words in her mouth, so forgive me if she ever listens to this, 
she saw them as a little bit weak and she saw them as someone she didn't feel safe around. She saw them as insecure and she wanted them to be secure. She wanted them to be stronger. She wanted them to be able to take care of themselves. She didn't want to be able to steamroll me. She did not want me to be a doormat. And I only figured this out when she pushed me over the edge one day and I said something I said earlier. You need to back off. That's <laughs> exactly what I said. You need to back off because you are dishonoring me. You are violating my boundaries. I don't know if I said exactly that, but I said, you're being very disrespectful and I won't stand for it anymore. And this was at risk of the relationship. I knew if I said this, this could be the end of the relationship because I was drawing a line. That was it. I had had enough. Her attitude was just intolerable. And instead of being Mr. Nice Guy like I always was, I just decided I'd had enough. There's a, there a line. I deserve kindness and respect, especially from my romantic partner. And when I said that, she immediately went silent and she backed off. And then she said, okay, or something like that. She just, you could tell the energy shifted right then and there. And it wasn't long after that. I don't know if it was the next day or the next week, but she said, I'm so glad you said that. And I said, uh, what did I say? I, she said, I'm so glad you told me to back off. It showed me that you were capable of taking care of yourself, that you wouldn't let me steamroll you, that you wouldn't let me squash you under my thumb because I don't want to be with somebody that I could squash under my thumb. I've had enough of that in my life. I want somebody who feels comfortable in their own skin and who's willing to stand up for himself. And when you did that, I felt safer. And I thought, what the, really? Are you serious? And she said, yes, I felt safer. I felt like you weren't going to back down. And we had some more discussion on it. And um, I came to realize that if she saw me as somebody who would stand up for myself, that I would also stand up for her. She saw me that if I had enough strength in me, for me, to stand up to someone regardless of the risk, because I really believed I was risking the relationship in that moment. She saw that as a strength that helped her feel safe and secure around me. Again, I'm putting some words in her mouth here, but this is what I've learned over the years is that some people need to see this strength and feel secure around you almost to the point where they know that if somebody did something to them that you would stand up for them, that can go a long way towards strengthening the bond or mending the relationship. And for the person who uh, wrote that on Facebook, imagine if you heard someone talking about this person that has been a thorn in your side and you decided to stand up for her. I wonder if that would change the relationship. There's some food for thought. I want to leave you with that and thank you so much for tuning in today. I am grateful that you were here. Thank you to that person in the Facebook group. I appreciate you and um, I hope you got a lot from this. And uh, when we come back, I'll give you my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash brain. Get 10% off your first month. It's a great system. I think you're going to love it if you're looking for anything like that. I've already heard so much good feedback about them. BetterHelp.com forward slash brain. And I want to thank some people that left some reviews. I know there's a lot of places that you can leave reviews for the show, but I often can't get to all of them. I look in iTunes a lot to find out if anybody else has left reviews. And I'm just going to read a couple here. This person wrote, so good. I love Paul's content. He always has interesting subject matter with tools that actually work to shift your perspective and thinking. Listening to him has helped me with my confidence. Thank you. That was my nurse, Trisha DT. Wonderful comment. Thank you so much. Uh, This is by MR and Ty Fan. They said, I've been listening to your podcast for a while. I now understand for the very first time in my life what it means to honor myself. It's taking me some time to get used to this, but even baby steps feel awfully exciting. I am so grateful to have found this treasure of gold in your brain. (laughs) Thank you so much for your coaching. Thank you for your words. I'm humbled and honored by what you said. Um, Treasure of gold. I am flattered. Believe me. Thank you again. And I'll read one more. KF85 says, Like a therapist, Paul has a wonderful affect to his message, unapologetically direct. I appreciate how he talks directly to the listener. I feel understood. Oh, that's a, a wonderful comment. Thank you so much. I am appreciative of everyone that writes reviews. You know, I don't ask you to write reviews, but if you write them, I try to read some of them on the air. I can't get to all of them. I'm just grateful for you and for people who write this stuff. I I feel so good when I hear from you when your lives have changed in some positive way. I just want to let you know I'm out here telling you what I know. I try to give everything I can away on the air. I try to give it all away. I try to put it all out there because all of this information is so important. And if I've lived through some of this stuff and I can share it, I will. If I've healed through some of this stuff and I can share it, I will. If I've learned something new that I know will be helpful to you, I try to share everything I know. And the feedback that I get reminds me that it's helpful. And that's all I want. I just want to be able to help you get through whatever you're going through and uh, continue to do that. We're on year eight now, and I'm looking forward to many more years with you. I hope you continue listening. And if you still haven't gotten something from this show, then... Remember, we've got seven years of uh, back episodes you can look up, so maybe there's something there that'll help. I hope so. If there's nothing there that has helped you, then uh, maybe this isn't the right show for you, but I hope there is, and I'm glad that you tune in. So thank you, everyone that writes their reviews and sends me positive messages. So grateful for all of you. Thank you. And I also want to thank the financial backers of the show. I read different patrons every week. I call them the patrons of the week. These are people that contribute to the show financially, typically once a month. Some people are once a year, and they're all very important to me. And this week, I want to thank Holly and uh, Leslie and Jessica and Jamie and Angel and Angela and Michelle, Jason, James and Kay and Julie. She's new, brand new. Thank you for joining, Julie. I am so grateful for your patronage, everyone on this list and everyone that I read every week just makes my heart feel warm. I am so grateful for all of you. This is what keeps us going, you know, the financial part of putting stuff like this on the air. 
is a reality. I have to face it. I have to pay for it. And I just keep going with it. And this is what helps. This is the the financial support that you provide is what helps. So thank you, patrons of the week. And I also want to thank a special thank you to someone that's been listening a long time and just donated out of the blue. (laughs) Veronica, thank you so much. You were very kind and very generous. You sent me a donation out of the blue. And you didn't say anything. You didn't say, hey, this is what the donation's for. Thank you, Paul. You just sent it. And I'm so grateful for you, Veronica. Thank you so much. And it is wonderful to still be connected to you. And again, I'm going to use this word over and over again. I'm humbled by your support. Thank you, Veronica. And thank you, all patrons. And if you find value in this show and you have the means to give back and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com. That's moretob.com. And I mentioned the Love and Abuse podcast earlier. If you are interested, whether reluctantly or not, if you're interested in emotionally abusive relationships or difficult relationships or people that are controlling or manipulative or deceptive or lying, If you are around people like that or around a person like that and you want to learn more about how to deal with that behavior and also how to build some more self-worth and self-esteem in yourself so that you don't get taken advantage of by that behavior, head over to loveandabuse.com. It is the other podcast that I've been doing for a couple years now as of this recording and uh, I will continue making more episodes over there as well. I do a lot of recording over here. There's two podcasts that I do. So if you are interested in a show about difficult relationships and how to grow and heal through them, check out loveandabuse.com. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. You know, I told this story on the show before, but um, I had to deal with a bully in like, I don't know, sixth, maybe seventh grade. Uh, It was when I moved to, I think it was North Carolina. I moved to North Carolina, and on my very first day of school, this kid came up to me, and he goes, hey, let's go outside and fight. And I thought, what? (laughs) What did I do? What did I say? And back then, I, I really had no sense of inner strength at all. I just tried to talk my way out of everything. I decided at a very early age that fighting wasn't the answer and conflict avoidance was the only answer and I never wanted to get into an altercation like that. But my very first day of school, this kid says, hey, you want to fight? Let's go outside and fight. And I said, no, I I don't want to fight. And he goes, come on, let's go outside. Let's go outside and fight. I said, I don't really want to. (laughs) I don't want to. Why do you want to fight? I don't want to fight. And he wouldn't give me a reason. He just wanted to fight. So that didn't happen that day, thankfully. But the next day, he did it again. And he said, come on, let's go outside and fight. Let's go, let's go. And this happened for several days. And finally, this is when I was living with my dad. And I said, Dad, this kid, every time I go to school, says he wants to fight me. I walk in the door, and as soon as he sees me, he comes over and says, let's go outside and fight. Come on. And I was scared. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. So I asked my dad for advice. And My dad gave me uh, maybe what could be good advice. It might not be good advice for everyone, but it worked for me. And what he said was, son, (laughs) he didn't call me son, but he said, sometimes a lot of these bullies just talk. That's all they do. They just talk. And I said, well, I don't know what to do. What do I say? He keeps saying it. 
He said, well, call him on his bluff. And I asked, what does that mean? He said, tell him, okay, you'll fight him. I said, no way. I'm not going to tell him I'll fight him. He said, don't worry. You'll call him on his bluff. I said, what if he's not bluffing? What if he's not lying? And he goes, don't worry. Most of these bullies are just talk. So, like I said, this isn't the best advice. Don't follow this advice. But this is the advice he gave me back then. He said, call him on his bluff. So, the very next day, I went back to school. And the very same thing happened. He came up to me and said, come on, let's go outside and fight. Let's go. You ready to fight yet? And (laughs) I took all the courage I could muster. And I said, all right, let's go outside. Let's fight. I did not want to do this. I had never thrown, well, actually, I threw one punch a long time ago, but I've never been in a fight. Never. I was only sixth or seventh grade. So he stopped and he looked at me and he said, Oh, man, I was just kidding. You're cool. You're cool. And I thought, What the heck? All this time, I've been afraid of you. I've been afraid to come to school. All this time, you have been totally serious with me wanting to fight. And then when I finally say, let's do it, you suddenly don't want to fight. And my dad was right. It was all talk. It was not real. And from that day forward, we actually became friends. But from that day forward, it never happened again. And like I said, we became friends and we were okay. It was fine. And I think um, he never bothered me again. In fact, nobody bothered me from that point on. Not that I changed who I was, but it did help. That one thing really helped. It made me realize that people who keep talking and talking and verbally pushing and verbally pushing, a lot of them really aren't looking for the altercation. They're just looking for the power. They're looking to control. They're looking to have dominance and have authority over you or something. And that really helped my perspective. That really made me realize that some people really are all bark and no bite. Some people just want to be heard. Some people just want to feel like they're in control or have power over you so that they won't feel like you have power over them or for whatever reason. That day taught me a lot. I've had to deal with quite a few bullies in school. Fortunately, I've been able to figure out all these different ways to get out of conflicts with bullies. In fact, I have an episode um, on bullying behavior. If you go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and you type in the word bully in a search field, I have a couple, I think two or three episodes on that. Uh, One episode dedicated to bullying and bullying behavior. So that might be helpful to you if you're still dealing with somebody that's been bullying or intimidating towards you. You don't deserve to be bullied. You don't deserve to be intimidated. You deserve, and this is something I say on my other podcast, you deserve to be treated with respect and kindness. At minimum, you deserve that. And if not kindness, at least respect. In fact, if all you expect is respect, life gets a lot easier. That means people really don't have to like you. They just have to be respectful toward you. It's really not a big ask. You shouldn't have to ask someone to respect you. That should be a given at minimum. I mean, there are other things there. Yeah, it would be nice if they were compassionate if you fell over. It would be nice if they put out their hand and helped you back up. Yes, it would be nice. There are things in the category of would be nice. And then there are things in the category that should be a given. And I think respect is one of the big ones. And I also think that one of the biggest steps toward getting 
respect from others is being respectful toward yourself. And what does that mean? You respect yourself enough so that you don't allow others to disrespect you. That can be very powerful and you can do a lot with that philosophy. Make it a mantra. Make it your new inner dialogue. Respect yourself so much that you won't allow disrespect from others. That could resolve half your problems. <laughs> I know it's challenging. Those big leaps that you have to take to get to that point where you have that inner strength and mental wellness inside of you and mental awareness inside of you to be able to stand up and honor yourself to the point where you don't let anybody else dishonor you. There's a lot of steps in between there. I get it. And that's why I do this show. Until you're there, you might have some other obstacles in the way. Or if you're there, you might be listening because you have other things going on in your life. It's not all about demanding respect from other people or expecting respect. It's not all about that. There's so many complexities in life and challenges. And that's why we keep moving and keep going forward and keep an open mind so that we can step into our power so that we can be firm in our decisions and actions, helping us create the life we want. I want you to always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.